want to share something with you. Um, we are going to be closing the new to youth thrift store for a couple of weeks, um, actually starting today, and um, re, re renovating kind of the inside, the outside, retooling, doing some things. So it was a really good time to do that. We're hiring new leadership there, and we really could use your help to fulfill the goals that we have over the next couple of weeks. So if you have some time uh, to, to, to donate, to give over at New to You, to help get in there, clean, and, and we've got some things, that, a lot of renovation we want to do, and if, whatever gifts that you may have that you think would help out with that, uh, talk to Jill Billheimer. Jill will be out here after the service at the Welcome Center at the ministry table here. Um, and just sign up, talk to her, get involved. This is a great opportunity for us to to use the resources that we have within the church to build that place up over the next couple of weeks and kind of relaunch and reopen um, somewhere around the middle of August. So talk to her. Um, the, the important thing about the thrift store, the reason I even bring this up this morning is because the thrift store helps to fund back-to-back ministries. As back-to-back ministries tries to reach out and touch the, 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 the life of orphans and widows around the world, uh, that thrift store helps fund those projects. So it's a great opportunity for us to come together as the body of Christ and be a part of what is happening missions-wise around the world. Back-to-back will be moving into setting up in Haiti, um, expanding into Haiti, the mission in Haiti, uh, in the next couple of months. And I asked Brent and Anna Fudge, who are going to be the directors of our Haiti mission for back-to-back ministries, to come to us this morning and kind of share with us um, what is going on in Haiti? Uh, where are they? Are they around here? There they are. Come on up. Yeah. Um, they're going to be sharing with us just for a couple of minutes um, what's happening in Haiti and, you know, some of the things that we can do and uh, sharing, you know, some of just the, the overall idea of this. We're also going to be having a mission trip to Haiti over the next couple of months. So if you'd like to be involved, be a part of that mission trip, make sure you talk to me uh, after the service or, you know, send an email uh, over the next couple of weeks and let us know you want to be involved. This is, this is Brent and Anna Fudge. Um, they're on staff with Back-to-Back Ministries. I told you they're going to be the directors of Haiti. So tell us, if you would, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's going on in Haiti and how we can be involved. Sure. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. <clears throat> my name's Brent. This is my wife, Anna, and our three kids are in the, uh, the kids' area there. They're having a lot of fun. Uh, I asked them if they wanted to be up here with us, and they said, no, we want to have fun. <laughs> so uh, our oldest is Samantha, Kirsten, and Dakota. They're uh, 8, 9, and 10. Um, Actually, my youngest is seven. He'll be eight in October. But the, uh, uh, we've, we've decided to uh, respond to back-to-back's need to start uh, a new site operations in Haiti. Uh, it's been a long journey, so we're really glad it's coming down to the last couple of, of um, months here. And we're actually engaged right now uh, for the next two months in meetings to help coordinate with the other organization we're partnering with uh, and also prepare ourselves uh, to talk like back-to-back, to do things like back-to-back. Uh, we're coming at this from a different angle. A lot of you have been involved in back-to-back before, uh, and I know this church is well, well uh, rooted in how back-to-back works. So to save you on all those details, uh, we're excited to be a part of what uh, back-to-back is doing right in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, we are looking and proceeding to purchase a 12-acre site. This is a, a shot of the site um, 
right just north of Port-au-Prince. It's a, a, a piece of property that we intend to use uh, for back-to-backs purposes for serving the children in Haiti. It's a really nice piece of property. It's right next to uh, the organization we're partnering with. And it, it's hard to describe it unless you've been there and seen it. But it's, it's the piece of property that's right on top of the hill at the bottom of the, uh, the photo there. The, the top of the hill has a, a magnificent view of the bay around uh, in the inside of Haiti and on the backside, the mountains. A uh, mm. real majestic and peaceful place for us to serve and to serve the orphans that are there. Uh, a real uh, a place of comfort and a place of uh, a refuge for these children as they're dealing with the things that, that are in their lives. Uh, we received this week, actually, the photos and sponsorship cards for all the first kids that we will be serving. So here is, uh, we're going to run through it real quick. Here is the first run of the kids that will be receiving uh, back-to-back's attention and care. Uh, it really puts a face to what God's doing in Haiti, and it really gives us a, a, a sense of urgency to get down there. Uh, three of them have already... Uh, seen supporters uh, start rolling in. So this is beginning. We are starting, and it's exciting to roll this into into effect. Um, right, let's see here. I should inform you that next month, uh, it's actually coming into this month, in August, mm-hmm. the end of August, we're going down uh, with Will Hausch, and Jason Monifel is joining us as well. I failed to mention that in the first service. Uh, we're going to go down and pick out a place to begin this ministry as we get the site ready. Uh, the, this is a, a, a sample of what we might be able to get. It's a six-unit apartment complex, completely vacant. We can jump in there, and we can start bringing groups down. We need to be ready for groups by February. It's, awesome. a, um, it's an accelerated schedule, but it's very ambitious, and I think God's behind it. Uh, he's moving pieces into place, including us, in a very uh, God-like way. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe it any other way. Uh, some call it coincidence, others call it uh, God's provision, and uh, that's what we choose. Uh, if you want to be involved, uh, come seek Anna and I out after the service or any time. Uh, Jeff knows how to get a hold of us. We're interested in partnerships uh, of all kinds of dif- different ways, different types of partnerships that's possible. Um, get in touch with us. We have lots more details, lots more things and layers that this uh, this attaches to, um, haven't even scratched the surface on all the, all the things that are happening, but, uh, let us know, uh, pray, continue to pray for that piece of property, pray for our families. We prepare to be down there and our kids, our kids, as well as we, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, at least we know that we don't know that we're, what we're doing. It's, (laughs) it's something that, uh, uh, I think we have an advantage going in knowing that we're, we're up for anything. Uh, God has prepared us. We're excited to be on the ground and, uh, and ready to go and could use your prayer for wisdom and strength as we do that. Uh, thank you so much for all that Grace Chapel has already done. And uh, I can't convey that gratitude enough. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. That's great. That's good. What, um, what missionaries are always really afraid to just flat out say is they're, they're, they're raising support here too. So if you, if you feel led of the Holy Spirit to support them in their endeavor, you certainly can do that. The swap wall back there, swap means sacrificing with a purpose, giving up something you want 
to make sure someone else has something they need. Right now, the swappable is filled with items. Some of them uh, on the high end, maybe some on the lower end. Some people maybe can go in together, but they're going to be moving there, so they need pretty much everything for the for their house. Um, so you know, we, the, part of the part of the DNA of Grace Chapel is to you know support missionaries uh, through back-to-back ministries specifically. Um, and also the exciting thing is, you know, we have self-sustaining enterprises that we started, that business we started um, to help fund ministry. And we're able to, through self-sustaining enterprises, fund Brent and Anna to help them get on the field even faster. So that's one of the reasons I brought up the thrift store, because as we, as we work together, um, there's so many talents in this church, so many people, so many gifts and talents and abilities. Working together, we focus on the store we raise it up, we can generate a significant amount of money from that store that we can then give away. After paying expenses, every penny goes into the ministry. That's the goal. That all of that money goes right into ministry. So, you know, get involved, get, you know, talk to Jill, uh, talk to some of the staff, get involved over there this week. Let's, let's get this all taken care of um, and let's uh, impact our world for Jesus Christ. And it was a, such a joy to have um, Brent and Anna coming this morning and sharing their hearts and what they're doing in Haiti. You know, it's cool to be on the ground floor of things because in a few years we're going to look back and we're going to go, wow, look, what, look what's been accomplished. Look what we helped to accomplish in Haiti. And boy, does Haiti need uh, a lot of help. Um, this morning we're going to continue our series, Great to Good. And I want to talk about a passage that is a little confusing to a whole lot of people and also used by skeptics to try to prove that Jesus denied that he was God by rejecting the idea or the claim that he was good. All right? And many of you read this passage before, and you, as you read over it, you're like, whoa, wait a second, this, this, I'm not really sure. How, what does this mean? What is Jesus trying to say here? Let's read it together in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. From this passage, some people get the idea that Jesus was denying his own goodness. That he was basically denying that he was good and therefore throwing out any chance of being accepted or recognized as God the Son. So was Jesus rebuking this rich young man for calling him good and therefore denying his own deity, denying that he was God? Is that really what's going on here? He runs up to him. Good teacher. Jesus says, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Don't call me good. Only God is good and I'm not good. So therefore, is that what he's saying? He's denying that he's good and therefore denying his deity. The answer is no. There are two things that are going on here. Two things that are going on in this passage we're going to talk about. First, he's using a penetrating question to push this rich young man to think through the implications of his words. 
He wants to push him. He wants this young man to think through what he's saying so that he can understand the concept of Jesus' goodness and what that means. He runs up and says, good teacher. Jesus wants him to understand exactly what he's saying when he says, good teacher. And Jesus also wants this rich young man to recognize his own lack of goodness and to come to him for salvation. So those are the two things that are going on here. Those are the two things. He wants this young man to recognize his own lack of goodness so that he will turn and come to Jesus Christ as his Savior. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 22, basically he tells the young man, it tells us that the young man went away sad. He went away sad because he had, he had been saying, he had thought that he was keeping the commandments. He says, oh, I've kept these commandments since I was a, a young boy. But he was lacking, he was lacking probably in most of them, but even, even here, Jesus wants to point out to him, you're lacking in the most important commandment of all. That's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. This is the first commandment. Okay, this is the greatest commandment, to love God with all of your heart. And Jesus helped him realize, he was helping this rich young man realize that there, was mo- there were more important things in his life, this rich young man's life, than God. Obviously, his wealth, his money. So Jesus is helping point out to this rich young man that, you know what? You're lacking in the most important commandment of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You love something else more. You are in love with something else more than you love God. So you're breaking that commandment. See, uh, his wealth may have made him um, great in the eyes of the world, but he wasn't good in the eyes of God. I remember someone telling me, wealth is a slave to the wise, but a master to a fool. Wealth is a slave to the wise. You're wise. If you're wise, you use your wealth in the, in, in the appropriate way, but it's a master of a fool. We'll talk more about that in, in a couple of minutes. Jesus is essentially saying to this young man, do you actually know what words, why you're using your words? Do you understand the words that you're using? He's saying, if you say I'm good, if you're saying I'm good and only God is good, then you're saying that I'm God. He's pointing this out to the young man. You're using the word good. If you're saying I'm good and only God is good, then you're saying that I am God. See, Jesus never wasted a word, never wasted a word. And he was always looking for opportunities to teach people something, to teach truth. And this was a phenomenal opportunity for him to teach this young man some spiritual truth, some biblical truth. And that's what he's trying to do here. What what he's teaching is basically, I'm God, I am good, and you're not. I'm good, I'm God, and you're not. And he's basically also saying, don't be so loose with your words when you haven't thought through what you're saying. I mean, think through what you're saying. We do this all the time with people. You know, think through before you say something. He runs up to Jesus without giving any thought to what he's saying. And good teacher, and Jesus is saying, listen, you're saying that I'm good, therefore I am God. All right? You may not recognize that that's what you're saying. Also, don't be so loose with your words. Don't just, you know, just throw things around 
When you really don't know what you're saying. See, in Jewish thought, God was preeminently good. So the young man was offering Jesus a compliment, usually reserved for God, usually only reserved for God. And he really should have known that. So since we can be confident that this young man at this point did not believe that Jesus was God the Son, because he runs up and says, good teacher. All right, we see this all the time. I I believe Jesus is good this, or I believe Jesus was a good moral teacher, or whatever else. He says, good teacher. So this looks more like an effort by Jesus to make the young man think about what he's saying before he blurts out indiscriminate flattery, just runs up and says what's on his mind, or not really on his mind. Not really thinking through the words that he's using. Jesus wants him to understand what he is saying. You are calling me good. If you're calling me good, you're calling me God. That's the important message here that Jesus is trying to get across to him. And also, just be careful what you say. Use your words carefully. When Jesus says, why do you call me good? He says, why do you call me good? He's asking the questions. Do you know who you're really talking to? Do you understand who you're talking to? And do you even understand what you're saying? That's the question he's asking. Do you know who you're talking to? And do you know what you're saying? And the answer to both of those questions is obviously no and no. So it was, it was very appropriate for Jesus to respond to this compliment in a way that challenged his thoughtless words without denying his deity. Jesus was, in a, was going to confront or challenge the words that he was using so that he would say, do you understand who you're talking to? And do you understand what you're saying? He is not denying his deity at all. In short, Jesus is not denying his goodness, obviously, and he's not denying his deity. He's just teaching an overzealous, overenthusiastic young man some important lessons, some important spiritual lessons. Now, some of you might be thinking, well... You know, that's that's really convenient for you, Pastor, because you're a Christian and you don't want to. You're trying to work around this whole idea that Jesus said, well, I'm I'm not good and therefore I'm not God. And it's right there in the Bible. So the question is, how do how do you know? Maybe you're asking me or my question would be, how do I know? Or how do you you know, you're saying to me, how do you know that your, your interpretation of what we just read is correct? Here's the thing. Whenever you read something in the Bible that is a little bit confusing to you. You're like, wow, that, that doesn't seem to fit in with some of the other things I read before, you know, or, or Pastor Jeff has said, or I've learned in my Bible study. So you're a little bit confused. What you need to do is go back and you need to look at the totality of Scripture. What does all of Scripture, what does the Scripture have to say? The whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, what does it have to say on this subject? In this case, Jesus' deity. So what, is it, what does the whole Bible have to say here? Let's look at a few passages, and I could go on for an hour, okay? But I only have a few minutes here. So let's look at some of what the Bible says about Jesus claiming to be God, all right? And in John chapter 10, in verse 11, it says that, it says, Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, all right? So, bam, we're done. Jesus just said he was good. Flat out called himself good. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is calling himself good right there in John chapter 10, verse 11. 
But let's go beyond that. In the first five words, I am the good shepherd, Jesus declares that he's God twice. First, because he says, I am good. If only God is good, then Jesus is claiming to be God. So first, number one, he says he calls himself good, so therefore he's God. But beyond that, he says, I am the good shepherd. Whenever Jesus says, I am in the Bible, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of life. I am, okay, the only way of the Father. When he says those things, he's claiming to be God because he's reflecting back to Exodus Chapter 3 and verse 14, where Moses went to God and said, God, who should I say has sent me? And God, the Father, says, tell them I am has sent you. That's God's name, I am. God declares of the, the great I am. When Jesus says, I am, when Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am, and then it says the Jews picked up stones to stone him, they weren't confused about what he was saying. They weren't confused at all. They were saying, you, a mere man, claimed to be God. When Jesus used the word, I am, he's claiming to be God. And every time you read that in the Bible, where they picked up stones to stone him, there was no confusion. Jesus was saying that he could forgive sin, that he could heal, that he, I, I am, before Abraham was born, I am. Five words, he just says he's God twice. Twice. In John chapter 8 and verse 46, he says, can any of you prove that I have sin in my life. Can any of you prove that prove me guilty of sin? Now, think about this for a second. Is there any four people in your life that you would straight face without cracking a smile stand in front of and say, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I mean, half of you people came in this morning going in the car. You couldn't say that to people in the car. You get out of the car to come to church. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Yeah, you were yelling at us all the way here. Right? You're trying to reach your kids in the back seat and everything. Can you prove me guilty of sin? Yeah, I can prove you guilty of sin. The guy cut in front of you. Look what you did. Jesus basically says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? The answer, no, they couldn't. How many times did Jesus say that before Pilate? I mean, basically, he couldn't prove him guilty of anything. And then in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says that Jesus was without sin. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, it says that he was holy and undefiled. In 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5 and verse 21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin. Jesus was without sin. Jesus was sinless perfection. Jesus was good. So our argument, our, our logic, okay, if you will, our argument, our logic can be summed up like this. Jesus claims only God is good. Jesus claims that he is good. Therefore, Jesus claims that he is God. Simple. Jesus claims, Jesus said, only God is good. Then Jesus says, I am good. Jesus claims to be without sin, sinless perfection. Jesus claims to be God. The idea that Jesus, when this rich young man was saying, well, I'm not very good, I'm not good, why do you call me good, and denying his own deity, makes no sense. If you look at the totality of Scripture, and I just gave you, what, four or five verses here? And one of them, he says it twice in five words. 
So Jesus was not denying his deity. Jesus' question to the man was not denying his deity, but rather he, he, was, he was drawing the man's attention to recognize his, his, his divine nature, who he was. He was trying to get this young man to understand what he was saying and who he was saying it to. Do you understand what you're saying? And he was helping him recognize his own divine identity. Think about it. Think about this for a second. He's asking the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, Jesus, if we look at the context, is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. This is perfect timing to ask this question, right? On his way to Jerusalem to be crucified, and he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? No better time. Now, I'm speculating here, but I, I got to tell you, I, I don't... I can, I can just imagine that this conversation was running through this young man's mind after the resurrection. It was just running through, his, running through his mind the days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, this, he, he had this interaction with Jesus Christ. Jesus lays out, you know, you call me good. Basically, you're calling me God. And, you know, you, do you recognize who you are? He's going through this conversation. And I, I'm just, again, this is just Jeff Greer's opinion. But I could just speculate here that, you know, who knows how this conversation played out in this young man's mind in the days to come. Because here's why I say this. The Bible says that, that God wishes that none would perish, but all come to repentance. God's desire is to give people as many opportunities as possible to come to know him as their Lord and Savior. So he wishes that none would perish, anyone in the world, but all come to repentance. So he, he gives opportunity up until the last moment of life. And what Jesus was trying to do is help this young man recognize and realize, hey, you're, you're acting like, oh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking the question, okay? He throws these words out, and then you think about it. Jesus says, well, what, is the, what, is the, what do the commandments say? You know, honor your mother and father. He goes through the commandments, and the, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that since I was a child. I got, I got that all covered. It's like uh, any of us walking up, hey, anybody see that I have any sin in my life? You go, oh, yeah, you know. So Jesus is trying to help him realize, listen, buddy, here's the problem. Number one, you don't know what you're saying. Let me straighten you out and clarify it for you, exactly what you're saying. You're saying it. Let me clarify what you're saying. And number two, you don't even have God first in your life. Your, your money's first in your life. You're not, even, you're not even fulfilling the most important commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It reminds me of what Eleanor Roosevelt said. She said, who, he who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to this young man. You've lost it all. You, you don't even have God first in your life. You don't understand. Not only do you not understand who God is, okay, you don't even love him first in your life. He's not in the number one priority in your life. See, but I like to think after the resurrection, this conversation was being replayed over and over and over and over in this young man's mind. You can just imagine him hearing the stories of Jesus being resurrected and then going back and, and kind of going through this in his mind. And you think, you know, well, he didn't give his life to Christ right away. When, when Jesus asked him, go and sell all your possessions, he went away sad. But how many of us, when we first hear the gospel, respond the very first time you ever heard about, you've ever heard the gospel? Some right away, because God's been preparing your heart. Most, it takes a, a while. 
as you hear the gospel and you ask questions and, you know, so to me, as he, he didn't, he didn't respond right away, but that doesn't, that doesn't tell us what happened in the future. I like to think, this is again, personal opinion. I like to think that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this went over and this conversation was resonating in this guy's heart. And that he did do what Christ asked him to do. Because the reality is, you don't go to heaven because you sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. That's not Jesus' point. Jesus' point was, hey, listen to me. You don't even love God first. He wasn't saying, if you do this, that's your ticket to heaven. He was saying, I know you're not going to do it. This is what you're lacking. You're lacking a personal relationship with God. You don't know who I am. You don't even love the one you say you know. And so Jesus is trying to draw him into that relationship. Listen, there is a purpose in what Jesus Christ is saying here. There is, there is so many... Every, it's incredible that how Jesus speaks, but there's a purpose in everything he's saying here because until you understand... Think, with this, think this through with me. Until you understand who God is, you can't understand who you are. That's why he stopped him right away and said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Stop. Think what you're saying. Think about this until you and I understand who God is. We don't understand who we are. You cannot fulfill all that God has for your life if you don't understand who you are. That's why Jesus will not let this young man get away with using good casually. He won't let him just throw it out. He stops him. Oh, good teaching moment here. He will not allow him to use the word casually. Because if Jesus is, is good, then Jesus is God. If Jesus is truly good, then Jesus is truly God. And compared to him, we are all just fallen sinners in need of a Savior. Because that's what Jesus is trying to point out. He's trying to help him understand who he is, Jesus. But he's also trying to help the young man understand who he is. A fallen sinner, someone who doesn't even know God at this point, doesn't know who Jesus is, God, but doesn't know God the Father either, doesn't have that relationship down. The young man walked away sorrowful because he had an inflated opinion, a very inflated opinion of his own accomplishments. Some of us in this room are the same way. Okay, let's just be honest. This is what Jesus, Jesus wants to get down to the nitty gritty with all of us, okay? And this young man had an overinflated opinion of his own accomplishments. And Jesus was here helping him realize that his love for and inability to part with his money was showing a darkness in his heart. He's just pointing it out to the, to the young man. He's pointing out that, you know, you lack. You, here's the things you lack. And one of them is goodness. One of them is that relationship with God. There's darkness in your heart. James Flick wrote this. Don't tell me where your priorities are. Show me where you spend your money and I'll tell you where your priorities are. That's what Jesus is saying to him. Go sell all your possessions. Come and follow me. Jesus could care less if he went and sold all his possessions. I believe that with all my heart. Could care less. Jesus said... Jesus knows what's in a man. He knows what's in a woman. So when it comes time for us to make that, that commitment to Christ, he's asking the question. He'll say to you, go sell all your possessions and come and follow me. He may say to someone else, you know what? That relationship you're in right now, no, needs to go. You need to let that go and come and follow me. Hey, what you, what you need to do is you need to stop doing this in your business and then come and follow me. 
hey, you over here, what you need to do is you need to start loving your blah, 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 and then come and follow me. He knows all of our hearts, so he's going to say, and come and follow me. And many will walk away sad because they don't want to give up those things. But Jesus knows they don't want to give up those things. That's why he's challenging, he's challenging this young man with what matters most to him. He's saying, give up your God and begin to worship the true God. You don't even know who God is. You don't even know who he is. In Mark chapter 21, it basically says that Jesus loved him. He loved him. He loved him enough. Listen, he loved him enough to tell him the truth, knowing he was going to walk away. Jesus knew that. But he also knew sometimes you need to let people go. Sometimes in love, you need to let people go. So that they'll come back later on. Sometimes the wise thing to do in our lives is to let people go for their own sake. Jesus knowing that they will come back and they'll be changed. They'll have thought through. They'll have reconciled. They'll have, they'll have, it gives God a chance to speak to their hearts. So sometimes we, love lets people go so they can come back later. And I honestly, I hope he did. I kind of read scripture sometimes and I wonder what happened after. I just can't believe that this young man, if you heard anything about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, did come back to Jesus. Jesus' question, here's the deal, hits us all right on our own self-inflated, uh, you know, self-importance. Our, our, we, 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 we kind of pump up ourselves sometimes with this, this, self-impo- this self-importance, this sense of importance. So a self-inflated sense of importance. This is where it hits all of us. He's saying, do you know who I am? And do, do you know who you are? See, we're talking this summer about walking in the good way, walking the ancient path, walking in the good way. You cannot walk in the good way. You cannot follow the path that God has for you if we're not willing to look at our own lives, if we're not looking in our own hearts. See, if we don't realize, if we don't acknowledge, we're not as good as we think we are. And compared to Jesus... We're not really good at all. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. This is what this culture does not like to hear. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, and here's the deal. As soon as we can be honest with ourselves, this is what Jesus is trying to help this young man do, to be honest with his own heart. He's like, oh, good, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, I've done all those things. I'm whole. You know, if he, yeah, if he was asking some of his Jewish friends at that point, they'd be like, wow, you've kept the law all those times. Jesus knew it was in the guy's heart. What Jesus is saying, you have to recognize who you are. You have to recognize those things. You need to be honest with yourself. And as soon as you can be honest with yourself, as soon as you can lay down your filthy rags, if you will, God will clothe you. God will clothe me with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But before he's going to clothe us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we need to understand who we are. And we need to understand who we are in relation to God. Salvation begins when I confess that God is good and I am not. You want to walk on the good in the good way? You want to walk on the ancient path? I first recognize that God is good and I am not. I have, I have, I, I have a need. I'm in desperate need of a relationship with a perfect living God. He's asking the same question of us that he asked of this young rich ruler, this young rich man. 
Why do you call me good? Do you know who I am? How many times have you heard people say when you're discussing Jesus with them, Oh, I, well, listen, <laughs> I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe Jesus was a good moral teacher. I just don't believe he was God. Well, let me tell you something right now. If someone says this and t- claims this and claims that, it doesn't make him a good moral teacher. They're a bold-faced liar. Okay? He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. It's simple as that. Well, people will say, oh, I believe he was good. At it. Jesus would say to them, why do you call me good? Wait a second. Let's have the discussion here. Why do you call me good? Think through what you're saying. Do you know who I am? And do you know who you are? And if you know who you are, you know who I am. Guess what your next decision needs to be? You're in need of a savior. See, until we understand who we who he is, we are never going to understand who we are. We will never truly understand what it means to walk in the good way. And we will never truly fulfill the purpose for which we were created on this earth. Cannot happen. If we don't know who God is, we don't, we don't know who we are. And if I don't know who I am, how am I going to fulfill all that God has for me? It doesn't work out. We need to understand that. This is what Jesus was saying to this rich young man. You see, here's what he's saying. Sometimes our plans for greatness get in the way of God's plans for our goodness. Sometimes your plans for greatness in your own life get in the way of God's plan for your, for your goodness. That's what Jesus is telling this young man. Friends, sometimes we need to lose our lives to save it. In John chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. As we close, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I really want you to keep concentrating. If you've fallen asleep a little bit, wake back up. This is really important. I want to ask you a question. What in your life do you need to lose to find eternal life? What is it in your life right now that you need to lose? The rich young man realized what he needed to lose. What is it that you need to lose to find eternal life? What do you need to lose this morning to find your true self? What is holding you back from giving your life to Jesus Christ and walking in the good way? What is it in your life right now? Because we're, we're, we're going into August. God has been moving in our hearts here. What is it that is holding you back from taking those next few steps to truly committing your life to Jesus Christ or living your life for Jesus Christ? I want you to think about what it is. Is it an, is it an addiction? Is there addiction in your life? That's holding you back from becoming the person that God has created you to be. From having that eternal life with him. From giving yourself wholly to him. Is it some, is it some, some so-called friends that you're hanging out with? You know if you, if, you give those, if, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you walk in a good way, you may have to give up some of those so-called friends. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. You know that if you want to walk in the good way, if you want that deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that relationship needs to go. Is it your love of money? Man, you, 
If someone said, hey, you, you come to church, you know Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus, I know Jesus. But what if Jesus said to any of us, okay, you know me, sell all your possessions, then you come follow me. What would be our answer? Is it arrogance about your own abilities? Is that the reason that you're truly not giving over your life to Jesus Christ? It's just your, your arrogance in your own abilities, a self-inflated opinion of your, your own accomplishments. Is it your desire for power or for fame? Boy, if I follow, if I truly follow God, if I follow Jesus, maybe he's not going to allow me to be on the path that I have for greatness. I won't be as popular in school next year. Maybe it's a pattern of laziness. Man, I don't know. I'm not talking to anyone specific, so I can say this. Man, you're just flat out lazy. That's holding you back. You need to change that pattern in your life. Maybe you believe the lies of the past. Maybe you're in your 20s or your 30s, your 40s, but you're still believing those lies that someone told you in your childhood. You're no good. You never account for anything. You're never going to matter. Why don't you be like all those lies? And that's, that's, that, that is holding you back. Maybe it's a paralyzing event in your life. Something happened in your life, some kind of abuse or some kind of event that, is, that, is, that has kept you almost in a, in a time vacuum. It's held you in place. Maybe it's the fear of something. There's some fear in your life. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to acknowledge it. Think with me. Acknowledge it in your mind. Speak it out in your mind. Say what it is in your mind. What is it that is holding you back? Say it out loud in your own mind. Now ask God to help you to lose it. Ask Him to help you to let it go. You had that ball and chain around your leg with whatever's written on it your whole life, it seems like. Cut the chain. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Sometimes we need to lose our lives to save it. Ask Him this morning, if you will. Ask Him. Ask him now, right now, to save your life. Say, God, save my life. Ask him to come in and restart and renew your life, to restore the person that you were designed and created to be. You are not living out the truth of who you are. You are not living out who you were designed and created to be. God doesn't make mistakes. Ask him to renew, to restart, to restore your life to the person that you were created to be. This morning is your birthday. It's your spiritual birthday. You get to start over. It's do-over time. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It just matters about what matters is right now and the future and what God's going to do in your life. If you want Jesus Christ to come into your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say it in your own heart. Father, I've lost my way. I've lost myself. I don't even know who I am. I understand that without you, I'm nothing. But with you, I have everything. Without you, I'm weak. But with you, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God, I confess my sin. I know who I am. I don't need a pastor or a Bible or a church to tell me who I am. I confess my sin. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit and restore the years of my life that have been stolen by the enemy. 
Don't let me dwell on those past years that have been stolen. Restore them, Lord God. Help me fulfill all that you have for me. Say to him, I love you. Use me now, I pray. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. For those of you who prayed that prayer, here's how we're going to close out this service. I have, and I have some more out here, but I have a gift that I want to give to you if you prayed that prayer or you're feeling like God really is, you know, you're on the edge and it's time to jump. It's, it's time to jump in with both feet. You prayed that prayer this morning. It's time for you to allow God to work and move in your life. I have a gift that I want to give you to help you in that spiritual journey. So as the band plays, I would like those people to start coming up first. Okay? And then within a few seconds or whatever else, let the Holy Spirit lead. I want to see the entire congregation up here. And we're going to sing this song with all. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate what God has been doing in people's lives this entire summer. We're going to celebrate what God has been doing in people's lives this morning. Four people gave their lives to Christ this morning in first service. I know there are more here in the second service. So I want you all to come forward and we're going to start just singing with all of our hearts. We're going to we're just going to celebrate this morning as we close out here. Stay up here. Stay up here. All right. I know I'm sweating, too. Stay up here anyway. Hey, uh, for those of you who gave your lives to Christ this morning, I want I'm going to stick around up here a little bit. I have some books for you here. Uh, Also, if if we run out, which I think we might, um, I have more. So just kind of hang around. Everyone else, just fellowship. Go out and and share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone that you see this afternoon. Let's just praise him. Let's just pray. Lord God, thank you for this time we can spend together. We pray, dear God, that we would take what you've taught us this morning and apply it to our lives, that our own lives would be transformed and that we would share the love of Jesus Christ with others. In his name we pray. Amen. As we leave, why don't you guys keep playing that, okay? Yeah.